Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the JT and Big O podcast, episode number 26. We are your hosts, Video Geek JT and Ryan Big O Regan. How are you doing, my friend? A lot better than a lot of other people in the United States and across the world right now, but you know, that's to be expected. Jersey, Jersey strong. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a shit week for a lot of people, hasn't it? Uh, yes, it has. It has, uh, I don't even, uh, really know what to say. Uh, just in case everyone's getting confused, I'll just, uh, we're kind of talking about all the issues going on right now between the, uh, the protests and what happened with, uh, George Floyd. Um, and obviously we're not a political, uh, podcast or anything like that. So, uh, it's not necessarily something we're going to really be talking about or are these things usually what we talk about on the show, but, um, we would feel awful if we didn't at least acknowledge everything that's happening to all the people out there protesting to the family of George Floyd and, you know, everyone that's just really tense right now and doesn't really know how to probably, you know, react to everything. Uh, I don't know if I ever mentioned this on, uh, any of the other shows, but, uh, a few years ago, uh, me and my friend uh, Kristen Kummer, we made a film. It was actually a film that she wrote, starred, and I helped uh, her co-direct. Um, and it involved that was writing with sunshine, wasn't uh, it? That is correct. Uh, the film's name was Writing with Sunshine, and the film uh, revolved around uh, racism that uh, that black people face within America. Uh, but you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was always a slight bit uncomfortable with that film because it, while I believe in the message of it, it always felt kind of weird. Uh, that was mostly being told by white people. It was actually a, a true story based on, uh, Kristen's experience with a common friend of ours, but I don't know. I, I, it's always kind of weird to be uh, a white person trying to, to speak about this stuff, but it, it is, it is really bad right now and i've been watching the the videos through social media some i i can't even sit through uh today i'm i saw a video of a woman who had pro- been protesting and was shot with a rubber bullet and you could see the skin ripped across uh her forehead right above her eyebrow uh watching uh police cars just go straight through crowds i actually saw this uh i think some people probably know what i'm talking about but i saw it from a different angle this time where a police car is actually just forcing its way through a group of people. It luckily didn't hurt anyone, but at the same time, it's just don't do that. And just speaking in general, just like watching the police make dumb move after dumb move in the middle of this. Uh, I'm just, it's ridiculous. I can't believe they arrested a, a reporters on CNN live. Like they they surrounded them and then one by one arrested every one of them. And even I think the the governor of the state after a while was like, "What the hell were you doing?" Uh, and I mean, it, it just keeps going on. I'm you're watching people who are uh, destroying stores, but they're not really part of the protest. They're kind of like sneaking in there and making it look like they're part of the protests. It, it's just it's I never know what to say. I don't feel like this is going to change anything. I feel like it's 
we're going to go through this for the next few months and then it's going to die down and then the circle's going to complete because some other cop is going to do something horrendous to someone and it's going to start all over again. I I don't know what to say that's going to make any difference or change. I acknowledge it. I hate it. Uh, I wish there was something that could lead to a real change with this. I don't know. And uh, I know that, that that's more thoughts than I think even I was going to put in this. I wasn't even sure if I would, myself was going to address this. but Yeah, that's why I've been quiet because I've just yeah. been letting you roll because you're not the political-minded one. And yet this is the most I've ever heard from you. And it's actually like very refreshing and that like I don't want to screw it up by saying it. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't even really want to laugh through it. I... Uh, yeah, that's 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 the most I'm gonna say about it. I, I, I don't know what to say. I'm I'm a white person, but I. Well, I mean that's the thing. I mean, when, in mentioning it, I at least want us to show that we're of like mind, that we do acknowledge what's going on, that we do care what's going on, even if the whatever little we could do isn't going to impact much, because you know what two white guys in Jersey who are talking from their homes, you know, we're we're not out there in the streets, like the people in New York, we're not out there in like Philadelphia taking down the Rizzo statue, you know, we're we're not unfortunately uh, a part of these things. Uh, But we can at least know and recognize what's going on, that it should be going on to some extent because something needs to be acknowledged. Uh, But what you said, I mean, I'm shocked. I'm happily shocked, but I'm surprised you went into it as deep as you did. And, you know, that's great. I, uh, and, and this is the, the biggest level of, uh, protest that I think of that has ever happened in, uh, in regards to basically the racism. Well, uh, I, I think they were, they were showing a map of it for our lifetime. It, it was kind of up there. It just, it was more West coast. Well, they no, they were showing the map and they were showing like all the locations in this. I, I think someone did say this was the, uh, the biggest level of protests ever in regards to racism. Oh, so even bigger than that. Yeah. And it's been growing. Like there's been more and more cities protesting, uh, here in Jersey. I know that, uh, Newark is protesting. I don't know other, uh, cities. I or know towns. we had some people, um, protesting in Rahway uh, recently. Uh, I don't know if it's any place else in the state, but I mean, if there is, it's probably just more communal rather than really like taking up arms. The thing with Nork is that it's Nork. Yeah. You know, Nork has always been like one of those places that's a little bit of a hotbed. So yeah, if you're going to do something and it's going to be acknowledged, it's like either there or Trenton are like your two main places to go. But I think I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, yeah, and it's 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 terrible, and I don't yeah, know how to really I mean, get on. There's not much more we can do. All we can do is sit here, entertain you for an hour or so, uh, try to give you a little clarity as to you know other things that are going on. Something that's a little distracting, not disparaging anything that's going on, but we'll talk about what we know to talk about, and that's yeah. the best we can do. And I think with that said, we should start with some good news, but. Uh, Maybe this is some bad news. It depends how you look at it. <laughs> well, the fear fan, yeah, it's questionable. Um, obviously, we talked about some good news, the John Krasinski show on YouTube that has been going on since uh, relatively the last two months during the pandemic, um, just trying to put some 
good feels out there, uh, sharing stories from across the nation, uh, acknowledging people that are on the front lines dealing with the pandemic. And it has been a hit. I introduced it to you. I talked about it on the show here. I personally was a fan. I wish I could have done more to like put some material out there into the show, but you know, things haven't been good for me. So, I mean, I was probably the last person to say anything, but as good of a show as it is and as positive and as meaningful as it was, it's kind of getting a little screwed over now. Well, I, I guess that depends on uh, where you look at it. I, I mean, uh, John Tr- uh, Chris- Crab, why do I always? Krasinski. Krasinski. Uh, I don't know why he, well, he wasn't going to do the show forever. One, he is a, he's a big actor. He's a, he's a big producer. He's got a show on uh, Amazon. He's has, Ryan, which I was an extra yes. in. Oh, nice. I didn't actually know that. Yeah, um, if you're close in enough, you can see my stomach, basically. <laughs> Uh, he also, uh, he's got movies obviously that he's been producing and, uh, making. So yeah, he wasn't going to be the next big YouTube star. He was a little beyond that. So I guess other than like, just do his 10 episodes, be done with it and move on. He's got something here that's worth some money. Yeah. I can see why he would want to sell it. Yeah, but in doing so, I mean, not not to say that it shouldn't get a little bit of, like, you know, sponsorship. And CBS being the news outlet that they are, you know, it, it's a good idea to give to people who are at least respectable of that kind of media. You know, I mean, you look at CBS and their history with broadcast news, with their, you know, history with, um, you know, talk show talent. I mean, the late show itself is, like, a pinnacle. But... The fact is you're selling the property to CBS, which they may or may not be putting behind a paywall uh, for the CBS All Access uh, when the show itself was free to begin with for people to watch. And while John may still have some say in what goes on on the show, he's not going to be hosting it anymore. And his draw, his appeal, his charisma is really what sold the idea of sharing all these stories. I, I think it's, yeah, and uh, those two points that you really mentioned there, both the paywall and the host, is going to be two major factors. I mean, he's not the most famous person in the world, but, you know, he's a he's a name. People know who, he's, who he is. And enough I, people watch uh, The Office over and over enough to know who he is. And I don't know who you could replace him with that would have as much of an impact. On top of that, the, the whole point of it being good news, the fact that it had no affiliation with any type of other media outlet, it was just him on YouTube doing something because he was bored during the pandemic. Uh, I mean, it, it felt like something you could believe in. Now, if with CBS behind it, whether they have good intentions or not, you're always going to have that sort of feeling of, uh, are these guys being honest with us? Or are they manipulating us? Is there going to be a bias? Yes. Yeah. Sort of like uh, The Onion when they were bought a few years ago. And The Onion was never, it it was a joke news site. But the minute that uh, it got bought out and, you know, the stories start revolving around the politics of the new owner, you know, it it starts becoming a bit of a turnoff. And that's the thing. I mean, anytime, I mean, people want to say that he sold out. And I can understand that. He literally sold out, though. Just just a But I'd like to believe that John at least vetted 
because I'm sure there were probably other outlets that were looking to get something like some good news. I, I have no doubt that CBS was the only uh, person that really wanted to buy into it because of how much of a hit it was. But I want to think that John really went ahead and went through the numbers and went through the statistics and he didn't just blindly throw it all away to the next possible paycheck. Like he actually figured which outlet would be best for this. Well, that would be the hope. Uh, I think he just knew that this thing wasn't going to last much longer and might as well make some money while he was at it. But uh, Right, and maybe it should have died in some respect. I mean, maybe it should have just been isolated in a bubble that, you know, this is what we could go to in this time of need. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like when you have, like, a really good movie and then they're like, oh, wow, this really performed great. Everyone loved it. The characters were awesome. Everything about it was perfect. Let's make three more sequels on it. <laughs> well, should I kind of point out that he does produce The Quiet Place, which was probably a movie that should have been a one one movie, and he's making sequels to it? To be fair, we haven't seen what the second one is like, so we don't know if it's better or worse. <laughs> I... Mm, I don't know. I, I want to stay positive with it. You know, it's it's some good news. You want to be positive around good news. But um, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what's going to become of it. Can you even think of who they could get to host this thing? Because no, no names are coming to mind. Um, I think, and this is just me spitballing, but um, considering his affiliation with The Office, Mm-hmm. And considering how many of those actors you had for that show that may not necessarily be doing anything as actively as John is, maybe have them as kind of like a revolving door of guest hosts, you know, one do an episode, then the next one do an episode and just have like the office itself <laughs> take over some good news for him. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Like the the names really from that show who uh, who were the most the most popular. I think a lot of them actually have got other gigs at this point. Well, so, certainly Steve Carell does. Yes, and uh, but Rain uh, Wilson. What's Rain Wilson doing? Uh, I'm I'm bad with names. Is that the? It uh, was that Pam. That was Dwight. Dwight. I don't think Dwight would fit in the role. I think he he works better as a very sarcastic individual. I even saw him recently with uh, he did a special with Billy Eilish, and he he's just back in a Dwight character. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. But at least with that, you have like the Office tie-in fandom to like still keep it with the show. You know? Yeah, but I was it all about the Office really. I know they had I mean, the I had, I they had the reunion was, episode, but I don't know if that. it was. But I mean, he certainly incorporated a lot of the guest, uh, you know, stars. A lot of the time, were people that he worked with on The Office. The first episode has Steve Carell on it. During the prime episode, Rain was there when he administered that wedding. Uh, more recently, uh, they all had like the returning cast members do like the little office dance thing for the wedding. It's like, you know, that that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was like. <laughs> It's connected enough. He, he's laid on that. He's really leaned on it more so than you'd probably expect. That and his wife, Emily Blunt. 
has really been a help for the show too. So <laughs> he's just so connected. I I guess we'll see. I'm uh yeah. I I I mean oh, uh, hold on one second. I think I'm getting cold about the food, so I'll be right back. Okay. If you want to talk about me while I'm gone, go right ahead. <laughs> that Ryan, he's terrible. Getting food in the middle of a show. How dare he? I got a donut upstairs, though. I should get my donut. Duck donuts. They're delicious. Uh, I wonder, do, should I should I just keep talking and continuing the show without him? And uh, this way I can uh, I don't have to cut anything later because I really don't want to. Uh, I, do any of our listeners actually know what duck donuts is? I, I love this stuff. Uh, when I was a kid, there used to be an area in New Jersey called uh, the U.S. One Flea Market. Anyone who's ever watched Mall Rats, it's affectionately known as the Dirt Mall. And in there, they had something called Teeny Weeny Donuts. And what this was is it was a guy who would make these uh, a freshly made mini donuts and then would uh, top them with powdered sugar and you would get like a, a dozen in a small little bag. And they were delicious. I loved them. So what Duck Donuts is kind of doing, this is like this company that I don't know if they're originally in New Jersey. It may be New York. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. But uh, so we're talking about Duck Donuts here. So- um Taylor egg and cheese. Oh. Nice. Which, uh, if you're not from Jersey, you don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> so uh, while you were gone, because I don't feel like cutting anything, I just started talking about duck donuts. Have you ever had duck donuts? Oh, yeah. No, the, the, the maple bacon stuff. Oh. <laughs> so, oh, so good. So what was great about duck donuts and how I'm tying it into teeny weeny donuts, which uh, I don't know if Brian actually does know about, Um they are freshly made for you on the spot. So unlike uh, Dunkin', which just has the pre-made donuts and you just take them, these, like, they make them for you fresh. They put the fresh sugar and the fresh powder and the fresh icing on it. And it's just oh, a oh. mwah. It's delicious. <laughs> you Dude, have a, I haven't eaten yet and you're talking like this. Why do you have a face like you're about to orgasm? Uh, <laughs> so... There's a reason I'm a Homer Simpson fan. <laughs> right? we, we, we have the no same nuts. mentality. Uh, but that so that before we started the show, I actually went out and I bought some. So after we're done with the show, that's what I'm going to be eating myself. So you though, you for breakfast got yourself a uh, a Taylor ham and oh, you're the ta- you're a Taylor ham guy. Yes, I'm a Taylor. No, no, we're not getting into this debate today. No, <laughs> there, there are plenty of things to protest, but I am not protesting this today. I, I always find it funny how like there's this one delicacy, if we can call it that. That exists in New Jersey, and New Jerseyans fight with each other over what to call it. I don't know if any other state has anything like that. It's like I think Scrapple in Pennsylvania is similar because I think they call it something else in some places. Really? But uh, I've never had Scrapple, so I really can't say. All I know is I it looks know like that is. spam that was left on the shelf for too long. Oof! And spam itself seems like something that's left on the shelf for way too long. But at least spam is called spam. I don't think there's anything else that you call it. I don't know, but now I kind of want a pork roll and egg sandwich. Mm. <laughs> okay, we got to make a rule. Before we record these things on Sunday mornings, we have to eat first. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, we, we do have an episode. You know what? I'm not going to cut this because we do actually have an episode where we started it and then I just walked away to eat a hamburger. And then you talked for oh, another God, five minutes. Right. 
I think that was like episode six or seven. Oh, that's way back. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, okay, the show has begun. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye forever. Anyway. Uh, There's going to have to be a day where it's like a slow news day and we just do a whole episode on food. Oh, yeah. That's, I'm sure, you know, uh, with uh, Di- what's that show that uh, Guy Ferrari does? Uh, dives and, and, di- and Dives. Yes. I'm surprised the entire show just doesn't take place in New Jersey because, like, we have so many food areas. Like, you could you could just do a food show for three seasons just staying in New Jersey. Well, I'm sure a lot of states can make that claim. Uh, but the thing with us is that since we are a smaller state, it's like everything's within driving distance. Like, you can go from, like, uh, the Bayway Diner all the way down to, like, the, you know, the, the trucks down in New Brunswick within, like, a half hour. So True. if you really want to go on like a food binge, it's easy. Yeah, each town has at least like two diners in New Jersey and they're open 24/7, but at the same time we well, do we do have the nickname of the diner state. We did have the nickname of the diner state. Too many diners have been closed down, man. It's like they don't do the 24 hours anymore. The diners themselves are like they've either changed their restaurant style, they're not diners anymore. The diner is like a dying industry unfortunately it's a, and actually now that uh coronavirus has been showing a thing i'm i'm actually one thing i've been uh, i read on on the cdc and you, before you take my word for it just read up on it i don't want any of you blame me for getting you sick uh so i read on the cdc website that uh it's actually is not very easy to get coronavirus from fast food or from restaurants so there, as long as you social distance, it should be safe to eat out. Well, that's the thing, though. I don't think it was an issue with necessarily the food. I think it was the fact that, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you're like less than six feet away from like a whole other family when you're sitting down. I, well, when this whole thing uh, happened, I started getting really paranoid and I wiped everything down. I had like Clorox bleach and I would uh, Clorox wipes, not Clorox bleach, and I'd like yeah, wipe say, everything down. Just, like taking the whole big bottle and just like pouring it on yourself, yeah. like it was syrup. I should point out, I'm not wiping down my food with it, but I'd wipe down like packaging and boxes and anything I got in a fast food joint. I used to microwave for like 30 seconds before I'd eat it, and now I'm at the point. It's like I think it's safe. I'm just gonna eat it. I just like to imagine that the heat from the food uh, just burns everything off. So. That that's giving me solace. <laughs> you well, you know what? You might be. I, I was going to say maybe that's not true, but it might be. Apparently, coronavirus does not do well uh, outside of uh, of the body. It dies pretty quickly in uh, in hot in uh, humid surfaces. I'm From what I'm reading, again, to some good news story. <laughs> I don't know. You walked away in the middle of the some good news. We're we're done with some good news. We, oh yeah, blame me for having a gullet. All right. <laughs> we we have finished. All right, I'm just considering some good news is done. I don't think there's anything we can add to it. I think we were kind of no, wrong there it, anyway. It's just going to be one of those things where you got to wait and see how the new product actually turns out. They'll know from when the first two episodes whether or not uh, it'll still be a hit or if it was just you know uh, you know a message in a bottle, a thing stuck in time. I don't know if this is some boring to say. It probably is, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I drive past uh, CBS every day on my way home from work, and uh, I'd be curious to see uh, if that's where they're going to end up uh, hosting the new show and what crazy advertisements they're going to try to put around the broadcast center in New York City. Because I know with mm. uh, 
even though uh, what's his name is HBO. I, what's the HBO show? Uh, Last week tonight. John Oliver, yes. Yeah, that that's actually shot at the broadcast center. So usually they have advertisements over there for uh, this week tonight. Uh, so so I they'll probably be on that show. Huh? I really do. I want to be an audience member. I want to be a guest. I want to do something. Well, when when they come back, he's been doing it from his home. It's like it's actually one of the few shows I think have been doing well in the pandemic because oh, of yeah, the humor. No, John, John Oliver is great. Love his British voice. His delivery is still meant for an audience, but the jokes still work, and that's that's one nice thing. Um, yeah, you know who else has been um, working steadily from uh, isolated section? Who? AEW, uh, <laughs> AEW, AEW. There's a reason I wore the shirt, man. Come on. <laughs> I'm wearing my uh, Britt Baker T-shirt, which is probably one of the coolest shirts uh, I think they put out. Yeah, uh, you love the dentist. I don't know, but she, I, she, I don't know. She's a pain in the did, neck. Did you have but as much love for Isaac Yankum back in the day. That's what I want to know. Is no. it a dentist thing or is it her? I think it's more her. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't watch things in '95. Um, but uh, I did want to go ahead and touch on AEW. Obviously, uh, last week uh, they had their Double or Nothing, which was like their annual pay-per-view, pretty much uh, yes. stapling one whole year that AEW has been you know, in the wrestling stratosphere. Can I, can I make one more sidetrack while we're talking about people we like and all that stuff? Because um, I was saying I didn't watch wrestling in 95. Uh, I started watching wrestling in at the very beginning in 1998, Right. I was 12 years old. Uh, as of today, I'm 35 years old. Uh, I watched the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Two of the wrestlers that were on that pay-per-view were Jungle Boy, who is age 23, or no, 22, and uh, MJF, who is age 24. When I became a pro wrestling fan, those two high-profile professional wrestlers were one and two years old. And there's something to you make you realize. You just made me feel older by that too, <laughs> since I'm older than you. Are. I'm, just, I'm just helping, man. I'm just helping. I don't who, know how I'm helping. Who, but who gets helped by this? I don't know. Anyway, double or nothing. <laughs> That's that my two cents. But so yeah, so since we are people who have actually gone to an AEW show, uh, mm-hmm. it, it was always nice to see them actually put out some kind of pay per view content. Uh, double or nothing. Like I said, it was pretty much the one year anniversary. Uh, if you look back to how it was then to what they were able to do now at a uh, daily's place down in Florida, which they've pretty much been working from for the past month or so. And it's a lovely looking place. Um, but more so than the actual matches that they had on and more so than, uh, you know, the little casino theme they had going on the, um, stadium stampede match. They were obviously taking a, uh, a bit of a note from WWE uh, back when we actually talked about what they did for WrestleMania with the, uh, uh, the two uh, signature matches of the two-night event. Mm-hmm. And what they had taped, what they did with this, I think goes above and beyond any expectations that you could have for wrestlers going ahead and having a non-audience pay-per-view, especially... Uh, a showcase of ridiculousness that you got with the stampede match. I, you know what? This is one of those shows where I'm was, well, matches where I'm like, I'm half and half. I kind of want, I'm kind of in the corner of a more serious professional wrestling show. Not because I believe professional wrestling needs to be 
super, super serious. But just as a storyteller, I believe like there needs to be more concrete rules, how this works and stuff, because I think with wrestling today, it's just things are thrown against the wall and nothing really means that much. But with that said, I watched this match and for as terrible as a lot of it was, I loved it. I Well, hold on. What do you consider terrible? I mean, it's just kind of a slapstick uh, show. It's it's not really professional wrestling. It's not a sporting event. It's just, hey, we're going to do this goofy thing and we're going to tape it all. And it's going to revolve around us all being professional wrestlers. I mean, if you really think about the whole match, the match is won after one person got pinned. And of the five members of the uh, inner circle... Four of them were knocked out before they ever attempted to pin on anyone. Okay, yes, that could have been finished a lot sooner. But there's this storytelling of the animosity between the two sides. Not really. And get the quick pin, it wouldn't be satisfying. I mean, like, it didn't even feel like there was that much animosity. And I mean, there's plenty of things you could bring up to say, like, oh, well, this and this. It just felt like two goofy groups fighting each other. Well, that's the thing. It's like they've taken the idea of, like, factions, which apparently have become more prominent in wrestling. Uh, You look at any franchise, and there's, like, you know, three-man, four-man, five-man factions that just kind of, like, they blew up all over the place. It's like DX had a good idea, and now everyone's run with it. I I think uh, factions have been around a lot longer than DX, but... uh... No, but I'm saying as far as, like, the goofiness of, you know, factions, you can't compare DX to, like, the Freebirds or the Four Horsemen, who actually took that stuff seriously. But but at the same time with DX, yeah, they were goofy and stuff, but it was serious professional wrestlers. So at the same time, you took them serious as threats in the ring. I don't think... With a match like this, what, what real threat was there? What real... Uh, what was really on the line with all this? It doesn't seem like anything really happened except a lot of really funny skits. And I'll say they're funny. I, I was laughing at a lot of stuff. Uh, as someone who used to watch Matt Hardy back in the day when he started doing the version one stuff. Oh, the, the Lake of Rejuve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's it, getting dunked and he goes back. For- <laughs> yeah, he goes. Well, even before he comes back up, like then there's suddenly a graphic on the screen for the old Matt facts they used to do in the WWE. Yes. And, and the fact that uh, pow- Proud and Powerful actually recognize it. Like, what's that, man? What's that? I know they broke the fourth wall. Ah, they broke the fourth wall. I, it's just like the minute they do that, it's like, all right, that's really goofy. But at the same time, I'm I'm laughing. Yeah, but it, but it's Matt Hardy. I don't, you couldn't do that if it was like Kenny or anyone else. You could only do that with Matt. Uh, no, so, it feels like you could do that with uh, Kenny Omega. At this point, it feels like you could do it with any member of the elite. because they, Except for Cody Rhodes, who you notice is very much distancing himself from a lot of that storyline telling right but i mean obviously he had other things going on he he was taking the more serious route like you're talking about because his match with like lance archer that was more brutal that was more and even if you did have mike tyson involved barely involved but, it was still more serious but, so but, i mean you have to be able to balance that stuff and, but, and not to say there weren't good matches that were serious wrestling you look at the the women's match uh, Hikaru Shida, oh my god, she was brutal tonight. It was yeah. so good. I I kind of get annoyed with that a little bit because, I, one, I should say, like, I've been, uh, 
man. Uh, what, what's her name again? I'm god awful. Uh, which names. one? Uh, the the good guy. Uh, Hikaru Shida. Hikaru Shida. I'm gonna call her Hikarda uh, because I'm gonna screw it up otherwise. I've only been watching anime for 20 years. I should have easily pronounced all Japanese names at this point. Um, <laughs> I, I've actually liked her for a while when uh, when Riho beat her at All Out, which we attended. I was pissed off because it was just like Rio is like this five foot nothing, very skinny. Uh, it like it doesn't look like could beat up anyone and could beat her. She's and then, essentially the Marco stunt of the women's division. Yeah, and but she was like she was the first women's champion. She's beating all these people with ease, and it's just like, eh. so it. Uh, oh man, uh, but I'm bad with names. Uh, the other one. Yeah, I'm. I'm almost Nyla ten. Rose. No, not Nyla Rose. The the good guy again. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm Just gonna say Sheeta. Sheeta is easier. Is her name actually Sheeta, though? Well, it's Hikaru Sheeta, but people refer to her more than as Sheeta. All right, I'm gonna call her Sheeta. Um, I'm. I'm. If I doubt anyone from AEW is listening, uh, but to all the pro wrestling fans who are ban fans this of her, man, ban him. <laughs> I've actually, I've, uh, I'm a big fan of Marty Scroll, and I've pissed off some people in the wrestling community because when I first started watching him. I thought his name for whatever reason was Marty Scarelli. And I was I called him that twice in a row to someone and they wanted to murder me. I know his name now, the villain Marty Scroll, but it took me a while. I'm yes, again, but with that gaff, you are the true villain. I'm bad with names. I've screwed up my <laughs> own name on this show and it's two letters. Seriously, I'm bad with names. Anyway, so uh I re- I've really liked Sheeta, even though I can't pronounce her name. I was really hoping for the first women's title match to be her versus Nia Rose, and that didn't happen. I was kind of glad to see this, but at the same time, it's like, you know, Nia just kind of won the title not too long ago. She only defended it once. I really wanted to see her kind of run with it for a while, like a big, strong, monstrous villain before getting a, a challenger who could really take it away. Um, I, I don't like how they're kind of booking champions so far. Um, at least the women's division, it, it seems kind of a, a little bit weak to me. At least I like some of the women in the, uh, in the division. Chris Statlander is one of my favorites. Uh, by the way, did you know that, uh, one half of, uh, the Edgeheads actually trained her? I just found that out. Uh, which one? Uh, Chris Statlander. I was, uh, she was trained by, uh, uh, I don't know which name to call him now. I'll call him Kurt Hawkins. Kurt Hawkins has a school, and he he actually trained her and MJF. Really? Yeah. Kurt Hawkins, one of the biggest jobbers in WWE over the last 15 years. Biggest losing streak ever. Yes. And he's the one. And his school trained MJF and Chris Statlander. One of which is actually undefeated in AEW. Yes. That, That blows my mind. Um, But... Getting back into the the pay per view, I, I watched it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I I thought some of it was kind of goofy. That ladder match, I kind of liked what they did with Brian Cage. I know there's certain people out there who has uh, who have said uh, that was a terrible introduction for Brian Cage. But other than the fact that he was underneath a ton of, ton of garbage for 15 minutes, he well, he did dominate everyone. A lot of people were expecting maybe somebody else other than Brian Cage. Because now with Brian Cage, especially with Taz in tow, 
it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we see where this is going. It's kind, it's kind of like almost a rehashing of what they all just did with Lance Archer. Mm-hmm. You know, big guy, very menacing, has a manager, and he's just going to be running roughshod for a while until something reg- ridiculous happens to him. True, though. With I wasn't really as impressed with Lance Archer for some reason. I'm, I'm actually liking it more with Brian Cage and Taz, and I liked it with uh, with Lance Archer and Jake the Snake Roberts. It's the dual ponytails, isn't it? It just looks weird. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's a few things weird. Well, especially when Jake the Snake is involved. Um, Hail Caesar! Uh... Yeah, and <laughs> he, he's a great promo, but his his voice is shot. It's just eh. anyway. Uh, speaking about that, uh, I know we we're jumping from match to match, but to go back to the TNT title match, so God, that belt looked awful. To be fair, it wasn't finished. They just needed to have I know, something I know. in place as you know a symbol of the championship. I, I and I understand that, but seriously, when I when that they first walked that, well, Mike Tyson came out that belt. The first second I saw that belt, it like it just slipped right out of my mouth. I hate that belt. And I know it's there, but how much more can you do to it? They're like, oh, we're going to put more gold plating on it. It's like, I don't know if that's going to help that. That design sucks. Even if they put like jewels and stuff on it, I don't think it's going to look that good. I think the problem with it is that you have like that direct TNT logo right in the middle, which almost makes it look like it's, you know, a wrestling belt sponsored by TNT, which it kind of Um, is almost. Yeah. But there's no guaranteed saying that they're just going to gold plate it and it's just going to say TNT as it does. You know, the, I'm sure there's something they can do with the lettering in order to make it a little bit unique, dynamic, something to really make it pop rather than just painting the silver parts gold. Uh, I Like I said, I think they might put some jewels and stuff on it, but I don't know. I don't know what you could really do to make that, that design pop. It's just not a good design. I don't know. I mean, if that full thing of TNT is like, you know, diamond or, you know, all filled in, that's going to really shine. Think of the Attitude Era WWE Championship belt, uh, the the big circular plate, the one that was right the after gold the gold eagle. The one that was right after the eagle. The one that was right. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Think of that design. If that had no jewels on it and it was silver, that would still be an amazing design. This one, not so much. Well, I mean, if you were going to go ahead and make a belt for something called the TNT Championship, what really are you going to put on it? Like an explosion, a stick of dynamite? Like, it's well, hard to really go ahead and, well, you know. TNT based on the channel. There's a ton of things that you can do about it. The channel's been on the air now since uh, 1978, I believe. So uh, you can add so much history from the years of TNT on there, including maybe, I don't, well, they don't own the rights to WCW, but you probably could get something from Georgia Championship Wrestling and stuff like that, or World Championship Wrestling's design somewhere on there. Right, but I think that maybe thinking a little bit more long-term with it. I mean, yes, it does look like the TNT logo, but... I mean, you're not going to put like 605 on there somewhere, but still... (laughs) No, but I think you want to have something that's at least you know, a little bit more universal, depending on whether or not TNT changes their branding, depending on whether or not the, after the TNT contract ends, if they go somewhere else, they can still keep the belt. Uh, well, they know, have, they're just trying to find something universal. Well, they have Ted Turner's uh, old mansion as the side plates. 
That's what the side plates are. It's his mansion. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. I, well, I think it's called like I said out the window. I think it's really, called like Gracie handle. something, but God. I'm surprised they're not putting like Hanna Barbera stuff on there. Like SWAT cats is like part of the <laughs> dogs. Captain Planet. I always kind of want to suggest this stuff because I'm the same age as uh, as Cody Rhodes. I'm like, I wonder if he would listen to me if I if I wrote this stuff to his Twitter. <laughs> it's like you know SWAT cats. Oh yeah, that show was great. Yeah, we should put that right on the belt. Yeah, now that, now that they got a FTR in there, just dress them up like SWAT cats. <laughs> No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't give them ideas. At least with the AEW, they have a lot of the same ideas as WWE, but at least it's the ones that the wrestlers are choosing for themselves. So, uh, like, I don't think FTR would do that to themselves. Okay, speaking of that, how do you feel about the whole induction of Mike Tyson into the game? I don't. Um, mostly because I think when you watch, uh, Mike Tyson, he's truly there as just a fan. He, I don't think he's very controllable. And because of that, I think you're going to get, I don't think you're going to get the best results out of him. He's not going to really try. He's not going to, he's not even paying attention to the product. He's like, he threw out, uh, Arn Anderson at, uh, at the pay-per-view, it's like, get that bum out of here. It's like, that's the good guy. You should be on his side. Yeah, but they also <laughs> threw out uh, Jake the Snake, too, so this way it was fair. Yes, they did, but still, it's just like, it, it feels like they just brought Mike Tyson in, and they're giving him no direction, and Mike's not taking it serious. He's just kind of glad that he's surrounded in this uh, environment, so he's just there smiling and stuff. I So then what do you think about the idea that there could potentially be a match against Tyson and Chris Jericho in the future. I'm not interested. Pray off uh, the week after or this uh, past Wednesday after double or nothing. I'm not interested in it. Um, not I, at all. Not at all. Um, and I'm a Chris Jericho fan, and I know where he's trying to draw the storyline. I watched that episode of Raw when it first aired a decade ago where Mike Tyson punched him in the face. Um, that was good. But it's, I'm not interested in this because I think it's going to be Jericho having to drag Mike Tyson through a match. And, and Jericho's no spring chicken himself. He's 49 years old going on 50. Um, it's just, no, I, I know maybe the, maybe it'll draw some attention from someone somewhere having these names involved, but I'm, I'm, I'm cringing from this. I, I think this is a cringe worthy match. It's not going to be good in my opinion. Oh, well, I mean, it depends on how they go about it. I mean, yes, okay, if they go in the same idea of, like, a serious match, like you said, yeah, there's a lot of potential for things to go wrong. But, as we've seen, they can do more theatrical, more goofy sort of stuff. And I think if maybe they did something where the inner circle uh, was going up against Tyson and a couple of his cronies that he had come along with him, uh, well, some of them looked menacing, some of them looked pitiful like that. (laughs) Who was that dude with the black makeup and the white shirt who looked like he was a roadie? I have no idea. I know one of them had some sort of name value to him, and he was, like, recording everything. Yeah, so, I mean, if you did, like, something like that, where it was, like, a five-on-five or even just a three-on-three sort of thing, um, and, you know, you had, you know, Hager, uh, Sammy Gravara, and Jericho versus Tyson and two other people uh, and put them someplace else, maybe not necessarily in Daly's place because they've already used every inch of that in the Stampede (laughs) match. But if you go ahead and you set them off in a location and you do something a little more cinematic, it could work. 
I guess it could, but again, I'm not really looking forward to that type of wrestling either. I, I don't think I've really watched AEW in a few months now, other than the pay-per-view, because again, it does it feel everything feels meaningless to me with this. It just I don't know. You th- this pandemic has really made you a nihilist. <laughs> yeah, I'm just well, it's more just wrestling. It's like it seemed really cool and hip for a while, and now it's kind of, in my opinion, going back down. Uh, I I can't even get into NXT, which I think does have good wrestling, because I always feel like the minute you start investing in that, they just get moved up to WWE and become garbage. Um, AEW, it's just... It, they're trying to do this thing where they're saying, oh, you'll get this type of wrestling and then this type of wrestling... But, you know, it's hard to kind of mix goofy wrestling with serious wrestling because it's hard to take the serious wrestling serious when you just saw a whole bunch of goofiness to it. And I'm not trying to be Jim Cornette here with this. I'm just, this is just how I kind of feel with it. It's just like, there's, I can't really invest in it because nothing seems to really matter. I can understand what you're saying. It, it, when you have two opposing kind of things, it's hard to really mesh them together. But at least they are doing something that's offering a little something to everybody as opposed to just, you know, staying the one course or the other. Right. But, I mean, if I think with any type of storytelling, you have to have some sort of ground, ground rules for your story. Um, I talked a while back about uh, one of my favorite comics was uh, something called Dr. McNinja, which was a very goofy out there comic with stuff that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but they're grounded in the rules of their own reality. If you do a, you'll result in B. I don't get that with most professional wrestling. They change rules all the time. They, uh, with AEW, what they're accused of a lot is doing what's called uh, video game matches. And the reason they're doing that is because it feels like you're just punching them nonstop until the health bar meter at the top of the screen goes down. It's like you can hit someone with 30 moves that should knock someone out and they get right back up. But one move that shouldn't affect anyone, that'll be the move that wins the match. You know, I'm, I'm really not sure how to reply to all this because everything you've just said for like the past three minutes almost feels like it's a segue into the next topic. And I don't know if you've actually planned on doing that or not. I did not, but if you want to segue into it, go for it. (laughs) Well, no, because here's the thing. All right. So you're talking about, um, you know, serious wrestling and goofy wrestling, uh, two polar opposite sort of mentalities being smushed together, uh, convolution of storytelling and then, uh, video game matches. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> uh, for our listeners, there, uh, I'm, I'm just here drinking my tea. And what, what what's on your cup? Oh, oh, this. Oh, yes, that. Oh, it's, it's just a, a Kingdom Hearts mug. Oh, really? Kingdom Hearts? You say? What's yes. this Kingdom Hearts? Yes, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> uh, the key to my heart is uh, is Woody. Wait. That doesn't sound right. Never mind. That's cut. That's stripped. Wow. <laughs> Took the franchise in a whole other direction, didn't we? So that poster you just put on camera. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what came with the game when I got it. It's so, Woody I mean, looking through a, a, a keyhole, which also doesn't sound right. Kingdom well, Hearts, are you drunk? All right. <laughs> but, yeah, so 
next story that we want to talk about is um, Kingdom Hearts, the widely known, very successful Disney slash Final Fantasy amalgamation game franchise is now going to be getting its own animated series on Disney Plus. Yes. And I could not be more thrilled. I have been a fan of this ever since I got like a PlayStation and I didn't know exactly what games to get for the PS2. I didn't know because it was the first time I didn't have a regular PlayStation. I had like a PS2 after never having a game console for years. And I was just trying out all these games. And then I heard about this one that's like Final Fantasy. And I'd seen people play Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy 8. I got the idea of it. And I heard about this. And Disney. Now, my family's always been a big Disney uh, family. We've been to Disney World. We've been to Disneyland. We were part of the Vacation Club. Um, so to actually have these two things, I was like intrigued by it. I have been a fan of this franchise ever since. And that's even with all the extra games that they've put in between one and two and three that have really fucked up the storyline. Isn't there a video out there somewhere there where someone tried to explain the story of uh, a kingdom Hearts and they couldn't do it. There's quite a few videos that have tried to do that, especially with uh, uh, kingdom hearts three having come out last January. Uh, it's one of those things where you try to make sense of all the filler that they've really done because there wasn't, it wasn't as bad between number one and number two, but from number two to number three, where it almost took like a decade plus to get this game out. And they've just thrown in a whole bunch of different little things in order to keep the franchise going. The storyline is so fucked. It is so <laughs> fucked. Oh my God. Like you try to explain it to people. And if, unless you keep it super simple, they are going to get lost between the characters and the timelines and the different versions of villains. It's like, ah, oh, Jesus. I I'm, but, I don't even want to ask you to explain it because I know it takes like almost an hour to attempt to explain it. And well, I, we don't have that time. I can make it goofy Donald and an anime character travel to different Disney themed lands fighting off shadow people. <laughs> I, you know what? I always kind of wonder, do you think this was also a tie-in to get more people to go to Disney World? I can't deny that there was probably some spread to it because, mind you, this was a franchise that came out long before they got Star Wars, long before they got Marvel. So, yeah, maybe it was something that they were using to try to drive up uh, the animated prospects of Disney. Uh, back when, in the early 2000s, I'd say maybe more live-action stuff, like stuff from the Disney Channel was becoming more popular and the animated stuff wasn't as much of a draw. True. Uh, so in that sense, yeah, I think it was a good ploy by Disney to go ahead and especially uh, something that's cross-cultural because obviously Final Fantasy is gaming. It's uh, Japan, Asia. It's a whole other section of the world that maybe Disney isn't as prominent, uh, at least in the, in the fandoms. So it's a great way of like bringing everything together. But Boy, did it take them way too long to do that. It's, it's The franchise now is like 14 years old because it came out, I think, in 2006, unless I'm incorrect. Um, roughly. Uh, I don't know about 2006 per se, but it was certainly our early 2000s. Um, I'd say, if not 2006, then maybe 2004 or five. I do remember uh, listening to Simple and Clean a lot, which may have been like 2004, 2005. 
Okay, I'm not even gonna ask you who the singer of that is. Who has been the franchise singer for all the major games? She's done theme songs for all of them. It's best you don't, because I don't know. <laughs> just say Utada. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just say Utada. Saida. But, Saida. Is it? Did she do that song too? In addition to Winter Woman? Never mind. <laughs> that was oh, a bad joke. Oh God. But no, I mean. <sighs> okay. Here, here's why I'm happy about the animated series. Because of the storyline and because of the different characters and because of the timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff that they have going on with all these things, I'm hoping the animated series is going to be the de facto timeline of everything. It's going to explain everything as properly as you can from beginning to end with maybe a couple of chops here and there and really simplify the story so this way other people who may have found it too confusing or too much can get into it. I think that would be a great thing. I was actually even going to ask you what, what they're going to try to attempt with this. I've seen some uh, franchises attempt to start something like this in the middle of the existing story. But I think for this, especially have convoluted, I've heard it become, it would be nice to start it from like the very first series, the, the first game, and just have it go from there. Yeah, and I'd like to think maybe, not, not necessarily even the first game. I'm not saying you have to start with Sora, Riku, and Kairi. I'm saying you can go all the way back to, like, you know, uh, you know, Aqua and them from, like, the Birth by Sleep. You can go all the way back to, um, you know, the Union Cross game, the mobile game that they have, which talks about the origins of everything before all the major games. But as long as you have, like, a beginning, a middle, and an end to this story, and it's not, you know unexplainable like uh, if you can simplify what we've gotten in the games and make it a little bit easier to understand i think it would be great for the franchise and may even bring about something uh after the fact because really kingdom hearts 3 is supposed to be the end of the series it's supposed to be the de facto end but if the series goes well in the animated you could easily build off of that and continue on somehow true um and the beautiful thing of it is that since it's Disney-oriented, a lot of the voice cast is going to be returning from the games to do this animated series. So you've got a lot of, you know, longtime Disney voice actors like Bill Farmer, uh, Jim Cummings. You've got these people that are still going to be around and still going to be able to voice their characters. And whoever they get to do the, um, the I guess, Final Fantasy characters, they'll be around too. And it'll just feel like it'll be so comforting for the longtime fans. And yet, because it's going to be telling the storyline properly, great for new fans, too. I'd be very interested about this. But right now, it's just in development. It's just, it's just like they, they don't even know if it's actually going to be made. It's just in development. Uh, if anything, you probably won't see anything from it until two years from now. Because I think that's pretty much the length of time that we got back when they were saying that they were going to reboot DuckTales. I think it was about a two-year gap from when they announced it to when you actually got the first episode. Okay. I am hearing, though, they, they have been wrapping uh, up uh, animation production because they can't really do live-action stuff right now. So I'm wondering right. if that and might... So this computer-generated animation as opposed to hand-drawn, it's going to be a heck of a lot quicker. So it, it could be out uh, sooner than later, but I guess if it's a development, uh, things could change. The voice actors might get changed out. You never know. Um, but it's, I'd be, de I'm definitely curious. I, the, Disney plus needs more things as we spoke about in the last episode. So yeah, I, I'm interested, but you've never played the game before, right? 
That this is correct. In fact, I uh, not only have I never played the game until like five years into the series existing, I thought Sora was a woman. Oh boy, jeez, <laughs> that is horrible. That look, I, I get not playing the game, but you can't tell Sora is a boy. No, I thought it was a tomboy, dude. Anime character. <laughs> Exactly. You're so antiquated with anime. I figured you'd be able to tell the difference with when it's spiky haired. I don't know. Most of the people that, uh, when that game came out, most of the people that were really into it around that time were female friends of mine. And that character really looked like a tomboyish, uh, woman who was hanging out with Disney characters. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It was later on. It's like, oh yeah, Goku hair. That could be anyone. I know a lot. They're, they're, they're saying characters with Goku hair who are female. Right. Well, but they're Saiyans. So, I mean, that's just kind of like a norm. So, but male protagonists in Shonen usually have spiky hair. I don't know. Is is also CG animation back then. So maybe that threw me off as well. Yeah. They, they had a goofy outfit. Not to be confused with Goofy, who was his partner. No, but I mean, it, it was very Disney oriented with the big clown shoes and everything. I get that. But anyway, I, I know it's a guy now and I know it's a very popular series. I almost kind of want to share this with a friend of mine who is a gigantic Kingdom Hearts fan just so she could get annoyed with me and the fact that I did not know any of this stuff. <laughs> Terrible. I don't know. But anyway. Oh, God. Why am I, I get, drinking the whiskey? Oh, boy. Wait, you got whiskey in your Kingdom Hearts glass? Is it ROE Company whiskey? It's Rowan Co., yes. <laughs> oh, boy. That, that, that spikes up. Whew. I, I have to ask you, is it is it good? Because, like, I'm, I'm just debating. Well, I guess you're if you're drinking it, you enjoy it, so... It wakes you up. There's a significant difference between Irish whiskey and pot still stuff uh, compared to American whiskey, which is a lot more sugar-based and sweet. Mm. So, yeah, Irish whiskey is always going to give you that, like, mm, mm, you know, that, 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 that perk. I know sugar-based stuff will still give you that uh, shake, uh, but that's from the Germans, so their stuff is strong no matter what. Um, yeah, but it's usually a lot smoother. It's not as uh, concentrated. True, very true. All right. But, uh, all right. Alcohol aside. Whew. All I, right. <laughs> well, with that all said, I think it's time for Big O's 3 to C. Yeah, which I'm starting to think for these segments, we've got to get like a little intro music. Yes. Well, if you want to pay for that, that'd be my guest. That's free stuff. <laughs> I, I'll find something. I'll find something for next episode if I have the, something to talk about. But yes. Time for the three to see the three stories in the movies I guys that you should be following and getting interested in. Uh, first, what I want to talk about is uh, kind of uh, surprising, but not surprising. Uh, per last episode, we did talk about how the Snyder Cut was going to be developed and released for HBO Max coming out next year. Because of this, this has also led to speculation about what's going to happen with the original cast and their portrayals of the classic DC superheroes. Uh, it has been reported that Henry Cavill, the man who is Superman, will be staying on with Warner Brothers for multiple movies after the Snyder Cut. So Superman is still going to be Superman, which means they're technically not going to be rebooting the timeline or the DCEU as we have known it. 
regardless of whether or not the Snyder Cut is actually going to bring people back to that universe. Now, uh, I think this brings up a, a few different curious questions. Um, one of them, I guess, is like Michael B. Jordan, I guess, is officially out because he, I think, was being considered for Superman. Uh, and he was considered as a Superman, yes. Uh, I think that was just a... It's kind of like more in the line of like, you know, how Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker, mm-hmm. but obviously he's not the Joker in the DCEU timeline. So it would have been like if he played Superman, it would have been a totally separate property. It wouldn't have had any any impact on any of the franchise, other franchises. Quite possibly. That's the beautiful thing about DC. The infinite Earths uh, lean to a lot of different options. Uh, I guess the next question is uh, Henry Cavill. Uh, he, from what I hear, he knows he's going to play Superman again. It's just going to be bit parts in other movies. That is a possibility. Uh, we've already technically seen something akin to that, uh, especially if you watched uh, Shazam. Um, Superman did ha- have a cameo towards the end of the movie. Uh, even though it wasn't necessarily Cavill possibly in the suit, you still saw that base Superman suit sitting there for lunch uh, with um, Shazam and the boy. But uh, as far as bit parts, it really depends on what movies they're going to be making going forward. Now, obviously, the Flash movie is still up in a questionable movie to be made uh, after everything that happened with Ezra Miller. And we do have the Black Adam movie with Dwayne Rock Johnson that is going to be in development, which is going to have a whole slew of superheroes, uh, more the uh, Justice Society of America superheroes tied into that. So it's possible Superman makes a cameo there. I don't think he's going to be fighting Black Adam since you have all these other ones that are going to be around. But since the only movies we know for sure that are being made are Suicide Squad and Black Adam and probably uh, Aquaman 2, maybe even another Wonder Woman, there is nothing else that's necessarily going to be keeping the main storyline going. So there is the possibility that a second Man of Steel could come about or that there's something a little bit more uh, Green Lantern-oriented maybe that could have Superman portray into it. Kind of like how uh, Hulk and Thor worked in Thor Ragnarok, you know? Mm-hmm. Those sort of cameos are probably more prominent if you got a character like Superman and as powerful as he is, especially if the Zack Snyder cut is going to be introducing Darkseid of uh, Apocalypse. You're going to need someone like Superman to really counteract that kind of threat. You know, another thing to think about, uh, you brought it up with uh, Ezra Miller. Now, if they're going to be doing reshoots for uh, Justice League, will they bring back Ezra Miller to do any of the reshoots? That is a good question, because obviously we know that they are spending a few uh, tens of millions to make the Snyder Cut happen. I think you said 20 or 30 million. Yeah, so they'll be using new footage. They'll be making new footage for it, as well as utilizing some of the stuff from the cutting room floor. But it still depends on what characters they're going to focus on. Uh, I think there might be more of a focus on, say, uh, Wonder Woman, uh, maybe more of a focus on Aquaman, considering those people are characters that have had their own franchises now outside of Justice League. So maybe padded a little bit more with the people that are popular and maybe not so much with the people that may be questionable. So I don't think you're, you may not get much more Flash. You may not get much more uh, Cyborg, but certainly it's going to help tell the story better. Now, I won't get into it because uh, last week I went on my, you brought up uh, the Snyder Cut and I went on my little rant about what I thought about that. Uh, yes, yes, you but, did. But uh, uh, again, I don't know. 
I just it just it just seems like too much work with not enough uh but then again, you know, after we did the episode, I'm watching people talk about it and super excited. I guess there are enough DC fanboys that are out there like, yeah, I'll rewatch <laughs> the same movie again with a, a different ending. Like, all right, fine, whatever. Well, I mean, we've seen it before. Director's cuts for some movies have been regarded as more the de facto version of a movie rather than the stuff that was released in theaters. One can look to Blade Runner or Highlander 2, The Quickening, and see examples of this. Yeah, but uh, how much really has really... going to be a question of whether or not it's going to bring enough people to HBO Max, whether or not it's going to bring enough eyes to the franchise to be worth it. How much has that really changed those movies, though, those definitive cuts? Because all it really does is it adds a little more footage and maybe tweaks a line here and there. I don't think it really makes it that much better, at least from well, the ones I've seen. I would debate that. I mean, you compare the two versions of Blade Runner, one is certainly a little bit more palatable and uh, not, a, not as drawn on as the other one is, and actually it leads to a, a better ending. And Highlander, Highlander is probably the most infamous about this because they, in the original theatrical cut, it made, uh, you know, McLeod and Ramirez aliens on a foreign planet uh, that came to Earth to do their thing as opposed to just being immortals on Earth. So the, the renegade cut of Highlander completely changed the origin of everything and really set things back on track for the franchise to continue. But well, I thought the sequels also mentioned them as being aliens. Or was no, that incorrect? No, 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 there are no aliens. There are okay. there is no aliens in Highlander. <laughs> I, I repeat, there is no aliens in Highlander. I will say it to my dying day. But again, it all depends on how everything pans out. We'll see next year how things go, and hopefully, Henry. I mean, because I liked Henry Cavill as Superman. I think he was a good Superman back when he played Superman. Back when he was mopey and droopy and everything. That wasn't Superman. But if you look at Man of Steel, the first movie, excellent Superman movie. I'd like to see more of that. I didn't think it was an excellent Superman movie. And I think he, uh, played, I think he <laughs> played pretty dreary in that one as well. I don't think... Here's my thing. I like Zack Snyder, but I don't think Superman was a franchise he should have touched at all. It could have been worse. It could have been Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, but, you know, like, think about it. There, there's just... People that shouldn't be handling certain franchises. Quentin Tarantino handling a Superman, not a good idea. Him handling a Star Trek, even worse idea. I'm glad they uh, didn't <laughs> go forward with that one. Uh, but yeah, Zack Snyder is a very serious, bloody, dreary guy. He makes stuff like 300, and it's amazing. I think if he made a Batman, it would have been great. I think Superman, he should have left me. But that's my two cents. Fair enough, fair enough. Again, we can only wait and see how things go. Um, if anything, I know uh, there's talks of J.G. Abrams doing a Superman movie. So that at least feels a little bit more in time, doesn't it? I feel, yeah, I think J.J. Uh, Abrams would do a much better Superman movie. I think... Uh, as long the, as it's better than his Star Trek's fine. I like this Star Trek movie. <laughs> yeah, but the Star Trek movies didn't bring in money. That's the problem. Uh, Too many lens flares, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so next story, uh, going from Warner Brothers to Universal, which, of course, Universal has their own uh, kettle of fish that they have to deal with lately, but they are still going ahead and planning out movies for the future, and, in fact, it looks like they may still be stuck on the Dark Universe story. I don't know why, but considering the success of uh, The Invisible Man, 
that just came out this past year with Elizabeth Moss, there is the possibility that they are looking at other Universal Monster movie franchises to play with. Maybe not necessarily in the Dark Universe, but considering what we're talking about next, the Wolfman may be having another movie come out. Now, we've seen Wolfman movies in the past. Uh, Benicio Del Toro, I know, was in one. Uh, you had Jack Nicholson famously play uh, the Wolfman. Uh, all, everything goes all the way back to Lon Chaney Jr., uh, but it looks like they're looking at a new Wolfman movie starring Ryan Gosling. And, of course, fellow Ryan to Ryan, I'd like to see the man <laughs> get work. But the problem with this is, one, if it is in the Dark Universe, why? Why can't it just be standalone like universe, like uh, Invisible Man was? Two, Ryan Gosling, as great as he is, he has not necessarily been a box office draw as a leading man. True. So I don't know where they really want to go with this. I, I'd like to see him do something a little bit more extreme, uh, but he's a very suave, charismatic actor, but he's his movies has not brought in the dough when he has been the main focus of the movie. I... You can correct me, but I don't remember the last time there was a really successful uh, werewolf movie other than Wolf with Jack Nicholson. Uh, well, I know there's others that have come out since then, but I don't think they've been overly interesting. The thing with werewolves, werewolves have always been better as like side characters, I think, more so than the de facto I, monster or villain. I, I disagree with that. I, I think Wolf was good. Uh, American Wolf, Werewolf in London was really good. I think there's some stuff to it, but it just feels like no one's done it well in a while. Well, I mean, recently you've had things like uh, the Underworld series, um, the Twilight Which are series, more vampires, incorporated werewolves, also vampires. but that's because they were on the side. Uh, yeah, both, both those got... movies were more vampire movies, and werewolves just happened to be there. Right. But, I mean, I'd say the werewolves that they used were used properly, as opposed to things that have been more wolf-focused, which have been better for, like, independent films. You look at things like the Ginger Snap series or Wolf Cop, you know, the, that, that plays a little bit more into, like, you know, the, the humor of what a werewolf is. Mm -hmm. I've actually never saw Ginger Snaps. I've only heard of it. You never saw any of the Ginger Snaps movies? There's, like, three of them. I've heard of them, but I've never, I've never watched any of them. I've actually oh, never no, watched. Uh, what was the uh, the one from the eighties that was really big? Howler or something like that. The Howler series, yeah. I don't. There's like what five movies I think in that one. But I mean, the the thing with Howler, I, I think oh, the Howling, the Howling, not Howler, Howling. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think. It depended on the movie you were looking at because, I mean, some of them were just great with the practical effects of the transformation. Others were kind of more um, uh, risque and uh, sex cult oriented. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking at uh, you, Sybil Channing. Uh, you know exactly what you did in that movie. But, um, yeah, werewolves have are, they're just... It's not exactly a story that gets changed around a lot. Like at least vampires, I think to a certain extent, the the origin of how vampires are and how they come to be has been altered here and there enough times that there's a lot of different versions. It, it's unique in that sense. Werewolves, it's always the same shit. Someone's a werewolf, scratches you, you become a werewolf. It's zombie physics. 
The yeah. full moon's out, you turn into a werewolf. But the Silver same, kills you. But it's the, always the same thing. But at the same time, uh, you know, zombie films have been doing great over the last few years. I, I think you can mix up the, the werewolf formula as well. It's just, again, it feels like no one's really figured it out. I almost kind of want to make a werewolf film now, just to... Just to see what you could do with <laughs> just, it, just to try it out because it is an interesting concept. It's just like, and that's a maybe that's the other reason why I'm kind of bored with this idea. It's not so much, oh no, Ryan, Ryan Gosling in a werewolf film. It's the fact that it's another Wolfman film. So, and with the when you go for the Wolfman, now you're definitely not changing the formula. You're just following the same movie that was made in the 1930s. Yeah, and that's my fear. That's if they're going along with that basis, then it almost feels like they're trying to still reconnect to the dark universe idea of the classic monsters. Why? Whereas why else would you use Wolfman like otherwise? Man that really switched up the formula. Yeah, they did a Wolfman movie maybe fifteen years ago. Why else would you use the Wolfman franchise other than the fact that you're trying to milk off an old franchise? Yeah, I mean, at least call it something else. You know, give a little bit of mystery as to what it could be about. At least, uh, what was it? Um, the Jack Nicholson one was just called Wolf, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you didn't know it was going to be him and Michelle Pfeiffer and like some sort of torrid wolf affair. You know, you didn't know what was going to And mind you, he made a really weird looking wolf, but it worked. Because I don't think they went full makeup with him on that. But it was, uh, like I said, I liked that film. I remember watching it as a kid and I thought it was really well done. It was kind of original as well. He's kind of this dorky uh, book uh, publisher. And becoming the wolf kind of like makes him cooler as throughout the film goes along because he's getting stronger and more energetic. Yeah, it's kind of like how they should have used the the black Spider-Man uniform in Spider-Man 3. Well, let's not get into that. Um (laughs) <laughs> but yeah i'm i'd be curious i before i give my full thoughts on this i think i have to see a little more what they're going for but but right now like you said ryan goslin he's he's a good actor but he's uh his star kind of goes back and forth even films i've liked him in didn't do too well like i we talked about the good guys which you have on your back wall um it's i wish he it's kind of funny that he he doesn't have uh, bigger recognition some of these movies, but at the same time, the Wolfman franchise is also a ninety year old franchise that I don't think many people are excited to see. But that's why I am pointing it out because I am hoping I am hoping beyond hope that it's just not going to be cookie cutter that there are learning from what has worked and what has not in the past. I'm hoping they learned from the mummy. I am hoping they learned from invisible man. I'm hoping they learned from Dracula untold and that this is going to be onward and upward in whatever they want to do with their universal monsters. But you forget one important fact. Universal is NBC and NBC never learns its lessons. (sighs) Let's just see how Godzilla and Kong does later on this year, and we'll see whether or not they learn to improve themselves. That 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 is my hope for that. I liked Godzilla anyway. Uh, so and then third story for the day um, actually plays a little bit into JT himself um, because this uh, current part of the year is the 30th anniversary of the final film in one of the best trilogies that we have ever known. Uh, Back to the Future 3, uh, starring Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd and Mary, what was it, uh, Mary Steenburgen. 
And it is also one of the gifts that JT had received when he was younger back on his birthday, which is May 31st when we are recording this episode. So happy birthday (laughs) to you, JT. Thank you. Um, Yes, this was actually, I remember for my fifth birthday, which now you know I'm 35. uh, I actually got to see this in theaters. I, I was a gigantic Back to the Future fan when I was growing up. I used to like make books where I draw out the scenes from every scene in the movie from one, two, and three. Um, I had, you know how like kids, some of the kids had those stupid little Jeep cars. I had mm-hmm. a DeLorean. Uh, <laughs> I had the full DeLorean with the flux capacitor in the back of that. And I had that till I was maybe like nine or 10 years old. Um, I, I loved back to the future and it was, it's one of the coolest things to me that I've seen this in theaters when it first came out. I luckily got to finally see the original when it got re-released five years ago. But, um, and you know what, too? I like this one. A lot of people hate this one because it's a rehash of the first film. But it's the first film in a cowboy setting. Come on, man. Well, uh, I'm actually looking for my copy somewhere here because I do have the trilogy on DVD someplace. But Wait a tick. Can I do this? Uh, okay, da, yeah, you da, can do it this da, time. Da, you, you can show off uh, some da, of da, stuff. Da, da, da. <laughs> oh, you got the shiny keys. Yes. Okay, all right. I, this was my, uh, oh, yeah, uh, 25th anniversary. This was, uh, this is what I got for my 25th birthday. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Okay, that kind of blows mine out of the water. That's fine. That's fine. I don't care. <clears throat> How do I keep but, track of uh, this franchise? The fact that it came out the same year I was born. <laughs> anyway. Well, I mean, I did want to point it out because, yeah, like you said, it, it's kind of like the more vilified of the three movies, and I don't know if it necessarily deserves that. I think it's just because it's, like, in a Western setting, and Westerns at that part of the late 80s, early 90s just weren't really there, you know? So it was kind of like, why are they doing it like this? Oh, that, that's been my feeling for cowboy movies for years. I, Under Forgiven's the last one I thought did really well, which was two years afterwards, but... Cowboy movies well, really been Yuma. The the revision of that was actually pretty good. Yeah, but I don't think it did too well. I don't really remember it too much. But um, not to say that means anything. But I I feel like cowboys had their day up until the seventies, and since then it's like once in a while you'll get a film that people remember. But for the most part, it seems like the fad is done. Uh, but yeah, I, but I think there's something to be said for like just the basis of what westerns were. A lot of them were usually about like you know, uh, you know, one cowboy against another cowboy or a gang, you know, and you had to get the posse together. It really ties a lot into just really one of the basis of the Back to the Future series, which is you know conquering your bully, you know, standing up for yourself. Uh, it plays a lot into that Western mentality. So I, I kind of think like going back to the old West of it all, even though that was obviously the origin of Hill Valley, it plays a lot into what the story was always saying. Yeah. And that's very, very true. And again, third one was kind of a, a copy of, uh, of the first one. So it did have that bully uh, uh, thing from the, from the original, which was the fact that he had to save one of his, I don't know if you call it ancestors or yeah, no, no. it would be ancestor. So originally he fly. defended his ancestor, and then he had to save Doc Brown, and then he was I in had the to save the girl. Yeah, 
I, they, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm saying it's a rehash, but there is a lot of differences and a lot of things that stand out to me from that film that wouldn't stand out to me from the first film. The the gunfight in there, which, of course, it's a cowboy movie. There has to be a gunfight in the film. Uh, the the entire chase scene on the train, which was amazing, which I, I loved as a kid. And I, actually, I, I've started watching videos of how they made that, which was amazing, with the model ZZ train. ZZ Top doing the music at the Hootenanny. <laughs> that, too. It's like uh, you have ZZ Top there with spinning... Uh, uh, guitars in 1985 or 1885 but, but those beards man so country <laughs> uh actually and there was some dark stuff in here uh the box that i have actually shows some uh deleted scenes apparently they killed the sheriff in the original cut of the film and they cut mm-hmm. that scene out well yeah because i mean it, it took bullying to a whole other level it took it to a place that you know it used to be very life-threatening. And that's essentially what cattle wrestlers and, you know, unlawful cowboys and everything were. They were basically just bullies that were allowed to have guns. Could you imagine that now? Jesus. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to touch that. Um, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> but uh, I think, yeah, and that's the thing, too. This has been a very lighthearted franchise. There's, yeah, there's fights and people getting beat up. But I think once you take it to someone gets murdered in the film, I think you might take it just a step too far. If you think about it, no one officially gets murdered in the films. Maybe uh, George McFly, but that was done off camera. It's not done on camera. Well, no, wait. Doesn't Biff die in the second movie? Old Biff. When and he they, comes out of the DeLorean, isn't he they dead? They cut it out. They cut that out. Wow, you can tell how many times I've watched it with all the extra stuff. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I only saw the scene once because it was, again, it was a deleted scene. But no, in the uh, the original films, he kind of staggers away from the DeLorean and you, you never see him again. Oh, so he just walks off. You don't know what happens to him. Yeah, you see you see that he's in pain and something's happened, but they never explain why he's in pain. Oh, that that's crap. All right. Oh, no, that's not crap. I get it. I get it because it's a family-friendly franchise even though there's obvious incest in the movies. <laughs> but you know that's why Disney didn't pick it up. Apparently they sent that uh, movie to a whole bunch of people and Disney was interested in it until they no, we can't have uh, a mother making out with her child, which I can understand. Why they... making out with the child? <laughs> it doesn't f- go full fledged, mind you. They have Avatar, where you have two big cat monkey people just getting it on in like some fluorescent forest. Yes, uh, there might be reasons why I've only seen Avatar once in my entire lifetime. Um, I don't know what else to really say about these films. It's you know, it's been such a big part of my life. Sometimes I don't even know what to say about them anymore. It's just. That Back to the Future is part of me. <laughs> well, I mean, I can say that um, with this being the 30th anniversary, you can actually watch all three movies on Netflix right now. So if you want to go ahead, use your weekend to go ahead, check them out. Now would be the perfect time to do so. And hopefully, while this has been one of the most uh, eclectic trilogies of all time, I really don't want them to mess it up with talks of possibly remaking Back to the Future, which have been going on for like the past five years or more. Don't worry about Ryan. They're not allowed to. I know they're not allowed to, but they'll find a way. They would have to get the approval of Zemuckis, and uh, I doubt he's going to give that permission. 
No, but they'll probably do something similar to Back to the Future. They'll always they'll always try to find like an offset. They'll always try to find like as much as they can actually change to make it work. That's I'll, how the Asylum has made so many movies. I'll be honest with you. Uh, as a filmmaker, that would have been my dream uh, job to do either a remake or a sequel to Back to the Future. But even thinking about it in the stories you could tell, I think they kind of finish it off in the right place. I don't know if you can really add on to it. And at this point, I wouldn't want them to try to uh, update it too. Because you know, one, they're going to get rid of the DeLorean, which, uh, no, that franchise doesn't work without the DeLorean. No, and so uh, they're going to use that truck that Elon Musk just came out with. God, no. I, you know... <laughs> Oh, God, that thing looks ugly and hideous as all hell. But that's the point. That was the whole point of a DeLorean being used in the first place. I know, and the DeLorean looks awful, but uh, but it just feels so right, whereas, like, Elon Musk truck is just, there's just no. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I, do you want it to be, a freaking uh, Fusion, a Ford Fusion? No, I want it to be a DMC DeLorean uh, <laughs> with all the wires and stuff. I want to even own one of those one day if I had the money. Anyway, uh, we are actually running out of time here. La- ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us for another episode of the JT and Big O podcast as I start bringing my voice down like we're going to get into a very sensuous moment at the moment, but we're not going to. Good I'm night, just, everybody. I'm just... <laughs> I, uh, I thank you again, like you always, uh, guys, enjoy our show. And uh, like I said, uh, if you're ever interested in uh, giving it, throwing out ideas or anything like that, uh, you can find us on our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash JTBigO. Uh, we're, of course, also on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is actually, I made this a little easy for everyone. It's video.jtbigo.com. And... While I'm talking about it, we have a .com, jtbigo.com, where you can get links to all our social media. We have a website. We have a website. We have a website. We have a website. It is jtbigo.com, and from there you can find links to where to find our podcast, where to find video clips of the show, and where to find us on social media. With that said, I bid you all adieu. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Drink more. I concur. (laughs) 